Biden to celebrate diplomacy and his own Irish roots in Belfast. Katie Rogers. Belfast, Northern Ireland, President Biden on Wednesday will make what amounts to a diplomatic toad dip in Northern Ireland, where he hopes to avoid getting pulled into the country's volatile domestic politics before spending much of the next three days learning about his Irish heritage. As he set out from the United States, Mr. Biden said on Tuesday that his goal on the trip was to make sure the Irish Accords and the Windsor Agreement stay in place, to keep the peace. That's the main thing, he said, referring to agreements that helped end decades of sectarian violence in Northern Ireland. But once overseas, Mr. Biden's advisers strenuously tried to avoid any thorny questions surrounding politics in Northern Ireland, where the legislature has been deadlocked after the Democratic Unionist Party pulled out over post-Brexit trade concerns. Amanda Sloat, the National Security Council's senior director for Europe, told reporters on Wednesday that Mr. Biden would engage with the leaders of the five main political parties of Northern Ireland without offering specifics of what the president would say to them. In fact, for most of his time in Ireland this week, Mr. Biden will be engaged in a sentimental trip through the Irish countryside where his ancestors lived before making their way across the Atlantic. The president will spend only a few hours in Belfast before leaving for the Republic of Ireland. He will meet with Prime Minister Rishi Sunak of Britain and then give a speech at Ulster University to recognize the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, a peace treaty that ended decades of bloody sectarian violence between Northern Irish factions. It was negotiated with the help of the United States, ushering in political power-sharing and, for the most part, a cessation of political violence. What to know about the Troubles? Card 1 of 7 A History of Violence The Troubles is a term used to describe a decades-long sectarian conflict in Northern Ireland, a region that was carved out as a Protestant-majority enclave under British sovereignty when the Republic of Ireland became self-governing in the 1920s. The conflict pitted those who wanted unity with Ireland, mostly Catholic and known as nationalists and republicans, against those who wanted the territory to remain part of the United Kingdom, mostly Protestant and known as unionists and loyalists. How the Troubles Began A civil rights march in the city of Derry on October 5, 1968, is often referred to as a catalyst for the Troubles. The demonstration was banned after unionists announced plans for a rival march, but the organizers resolved to go ahead with it. When officers from the Protestant-dominated police force surrounded the demonstrators with batons drawn and sprayed the crowd with a water cannon, rioting erupted. Simmering Tensions Centuries of disaffection quickly turned to armed revolts spearheaded by the underground Irish Republican Army and its political wing, Sinn Féin, which cast themselves as champions of the Roman Catholic minority. Loyalist paramilitary groups challenged the IRA, supposedly to protect a Protestant majority, injecting one more element of violence into the war. Bloody Sunday on January 30, 1972, thousands of mostly Catholic marchers took to the streets of the Bogside district of Derry in opposition to a new policy of detention without trial. British soldiers opened fire, killing 14 protesters. The events became one of the most infamous episodes of the Troubles, known as Bloody Sunday. A far-reaching conflict 
The conflict had all the appearances of a civil war, with roadblocks, bomb blasts, sniper fire and the suspension of civil rights. Bombings also spread to the rest of Britain, and British troops hunted down IRA members as far afield as Gibraltar. The IRA drew significant support from groups as disparate as Irish Americans in the United States and the Libyan dictator Colonel Muammar al-Gaddafi. How the Troubles Ended The conflict came formally to an end in 1998 with a settlement known as the Good Friday Agreement. As part of the deal, a new form of regional government was created to share power between those who wanted the region to remain part of the United Kingdom and those who sought a united Ireland. The Conflict's Long Shadow Even after the Good Friday Agreement brought a form of peace, some violence has persisted. The shared executive authority set up in the 1998 Accord has also seen repeated suspensions because of intractable disputes between the two sides and, most recently, the fallout from Brexit. Ms. Sloat said that Mr. Biden's speech would be focused on economic growth rather than on the fragile sense of peace that undergirds politics in the North. I expect the president will talk about how the last 25 years were focused on peace, Ms. Sloat said, but the next 25 years should be marked by economic growth and prosperity. Mr. Biden is far from the first president to claim Irish ancestry, and he is certainly not alone among American politicians who embrace the Emerald Isle. But he may be the most exuberant, having once adapted a line from James Joyce by saying that when he dies, Ireland will be written on my soul. But Mr. Biden's enthusiasm for Ireland has drawn questions about whether he is sympathetic to the nationalists, who seek a united Ireland, over the unionists, who want to remain part of the United Kingdom. How Times Reporters Cover Politics We rely on our journalists to be independent observers. So while Times staff members may vote, they are not allowed to endorse or campaign for candidates or political causes. This includes participating in marches or rallies in support of a movement or giving money to, or raising money for, any political candidate or election cause. Learn more about our process. On Wednesday, reporters asked several times whether Mr. Biden hates the United Kingdom, given his past support for Republicans in Northern Ireland. As a senator in 1985, he spoke out against making it easier to extradite Irish Republican Army militants to Britain from the United States. It's simply not true, Ms. Sloat said. President Biden obviously is a very proud Irish American. He is proud of those Irish roots, but he's also a strong supporter of our bilateral partnership with the UK. The president's visit comes amid a flare-up of political violence that has Belfast's police on heightened alert, but John Kirby, a White House spokesman, played down concerns about Mr. Biden's safety while in Belfast ahead of the visit. We don't ever talk about security requirements of protecting the president, he said. But the president is more than comfortable making this trip, and he's very excited to do it. Once he leaves Belfast on Wednesday afternoon, Mr. Biden will spend far less time on policy, though he will address the Irish Parliament and host discussions with the country's president and prime minister. White House officials said those discussions would touch on the wide range of interests between the two countries, including economic cooperation and the effort to help Ukraine fight Russian aggression. 
But even White House officials have made little effort to describe Mr. Biden's trip as a policy one. It is personal for the president, they said, and most of his time will be spent in the countryside. Mr. Biden was accompanied on the trip to Ireland by Valerie Biden Owens, his sister, and Hunter Biden, his son. Both traveled from the United States with the president on Air Force One. Jill Biden, the first lady, stayed behind. He will visit castles and perhaps a pub or two in County Louth, home of the Finnegans and the Kearneys, his ancestors on one side of the family, and take a tour of a shrine and a cathedral in County Mayo, where he will meet with some of the remaining Bluets, his ancestors on the other side. In Louth, Mr. Biden will pay homage to Owen Finnegan, his great-great-grandfather, who was a shoemaker and emigrated to the United States in 1849, and other members of the family. Rob Kearney, a retired professional rugby player who lives in County Louth, is Mr. Biden's fifth cousin, once removed. Both are related to John Finnegan and Mary Kearney, who were Mr. Biden's great-great-great-grandparents. In County Mayo, the president will tour the Family History Research Unit at the North Mayo Heritage and Genealogical Center, which has assembled a genealogical database with more than 1.2 million records to track the ancestry of people from the county. For Mr. Biden, that history includes Edward Blewett and Mary Mulderg, who is also known as Mary Reddington, his great-great-great-grandparents. The president will visit St. Myrdaka's Cathedral, which is constructed in part from thousands of bricks that, according to the White House, Mr. Blewett sold in 1828. Mr. Blewett used the proceeds from the sale to purchase tickets for himself and his family to sail to the United States on the SS Excelsior in 1851. Mr. Biden's visit is not his first personal trip to Ireland. In his final months as vice president, Mr. Biden spent six days traveling through the Irish countryside. He was awarded an honorary doctorate in law from Trinity College and delivered a speech at Dublin Castle. This time, Mr. Biden will speak at St. Myrdaka's Cathedral on Friday evening before boarding Air Force One for the overnight flight back to Washington.